This is Paul Gallant on 710 ESPN Seattle. Weekdays at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. At Gallant Says on Twitter. Text into the show at 710-710. Hello and welcome aboard the Paul Gallant Show on Tuesday, July 13th of 2021. I am Paul Gallant and this is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. A program you can text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. A program you can tweet at me, at Galan says. You can also call in at 1015, your chance to be heard, 206-421-3776. Watching it on 710sports.com slash video. You're listening on your 710 app or on your smart speaker. And today's question of the day. The second half of the Mariners season is right around the corner. What are you most concerned about? We'll dive into that in a moment. The second half of the Mariners' season, you would think, would, in a way, start tonight. Yusei Kikuchi, supposed to be playing for the American League roster. Unfortunately, due to a very bizarre series of circumstances, that is not going to be the case. So, on Sunday, late in the evening, we saw that he'd actually had some COVID symptoms. You see that, and you think, oh man, that's really unfortunate for him, because the guy has also been vaccinated. He had a COVID-related symptom was the specific way it was described. I, I, don't, I don't really know what that means. Kikuchi did say this. For about two days, it was just some stomach issues and just a slight fever. Yesterday, and he was referring to Sunday, I started to feel a lot better. Today which was, I believe, Monday, I feel way better. So you think to yourself, okay, well, he's he's feeling all right. That means he's going to pitch. But he's not. He has opted out and he will be replaced on the American League roster, though he will be introduced formally before the All-Star game. MLB sources said that Kikuchi is not suffering from an injury, but felt like he wasn't in a position to be able to pitch in the game. Kikuchi seems very cautious when it comes to powering his way through the back spasms that he had a couple of weeks ago that saw him pulled from a game early. That was concerning, especially with what happened with James Paxton and such, and so quickly in his first start. You also saw him leave a game where he took a line drive off the knee. That one, a little bit understandable. This time around, not feeling particularly good. Maybe he's dehydrated, as someone texted in theorizing. Whatever the case, you're not going to see him. So you would think that you would see a Seattle Mariner. The Seattle Mariners players that could be maybe brought aboard. How about Kendall Graveman, Paul Seawald? Maybe you get crazy and you put in Logan Gilbert or something like that, or Chris Flexen. Another Mariner should have replaced Yusei Kikuchi. If you are going to have one player represent every single ball club in the game, then somebody should have been selected. And Kevin Cash... He definitely spoke with Scott Service this week. Scott Service said that he had been lobbying for J.B. Crawford to be made an American League All-Star. Unfortunately, instead, Kevin Cash chose Tim Anderson, understandable, Chicago White Sox shortstop, very entertaining, very, very energetic, enigmatic, bat flip connoisseur, starting pitcher Chris Bassett from the A's, second baseman Whit. Merrifield from the Kansas City Royals. That guy sounds like a Kansas City Royal. And then shortstop Joey Wendell from the Seattle Mayor. Just kidding, from the Tampa Bay Rays. So they brought in 
a guy who's statistically worse than J.P. Crawford, who also happens to be a Tampa Bay Ray. Kevin Cash, everybody. Tampa Bay Ray, repping his Tampa Bay Rays. So you would think, okay, well, okay, that's just the players, and I get it, it's last minute, and maybe he doesn't know that J.P. Crawford is, I don't know, taking Seattle by storm. But when Kikuchi was placed on the inactive list for this game, he was replaced by Tampa Bay reliever Andrew Kittridge, who is a UW grad, who is from Spokane, but who was not a Seattle Mariner and is not statistically better than Kendall Graveman this year. And I find that unacceptable. Kevin Cash, stop repping your own dudes. It's the American League All-Star team, not the Tampa Bay Rays, who lost the World Series because of your bad decision-making. Why are you pulling out Blake Snell? What's going on here? Anyway, I'm frustrated with that. I don't know if I'm going to watch the All-Star game tonight because of that. I'm kidding. I will. It's part of my job requirement. But it's a bummer that there's not going to be a Seattle Mariner representing. And I will just say that as I have gotten older and as baseball has not done a very good job of promoting its best players, I would say that my overall interest in the rest of the players that are not on the Seattle Mariners, eh, waning. I just want to watch Shohei Otani. That's it. (laughs) That's all I want to watch. That's all I wanted to watch last night in the Home Run Derby which I think needs a little bit of retinkering as well. But let's dive into the question. What are you most concerned about regarding the Seattle Mariners in the second half of the year? I got a couple of things. First off, I'm concerned that they are going to trade Mitch Hanniger. I don't want that to happen. And I think it's possible. And I talked about it a lot yesterday, too. The way he is playing, you are not going to replace that. You're not going to find something better. You're not. At least not right away. Maybe someday you get, out of Jared Kelnick, the kind of production that Mitch Haniger put up this year. But is that going to happen this season? Is that going to happen next season? I'm skeptical. Julio Rodriguez, you probably see him next year. But is he going to be that Mitch Haniger level of good right away too? Maybe you're blocking some outfield spots if Mitch Hanniger's still here. So I can understand the idea that, okay, well, you do want to have spots in your outfield for a Kyle Lewis, for, on top of that, a Hanniger. Nah, check that, not Hanniger. A Kelnick, a Rodriguez. But you also have a designated hitter spot, and I feel like that's a pretty good place to have four outfielders that you can rotate one of those outfielders into the designated hitter spot eventually every single game that you play. Everyone gets an off night, guys are rested, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then when injuries happen, you have some depth. So that's my biggest concern. Second half of the year that the Mariners look at themselves in the mirror and say, eh, uh, well, let's try to see what we can get for Mitch Hanniger. And it will probably get a pretty hefty return for him. Number two, as far as concerns for the second half of the season, I'm concerned that the young bats don't deliver, return, improve, whatever you want to call them. First off, take a look at some of the guys who have, I think, had tremendous first halves of the year. Ty France, young player. Is he going to be able to do what he did in the first half of the season in the second half? Probably. But I'm not 100% certain. Just because we haven't seen him for an entirety of a year. J.B. Crawford, he just put together an incredible month. I mean, he was batting 400 at a point over the course of the previous month. It was great. That's unsustainable. For any hitter in baseball, no matter how good we think J.P. Crawford is. That is unsustainable. Now, he has taken some real steps forward this year, and honestly, there's reason to believe that maybe next year he can even continue to improve the way that he just finds gaps 
in the infield and he's able to slap the ball into basically it seems like wherever he wants. I love that. I love that old school nature of a baseball player who's a slap contact hitter. I miss it. But, okay, you can't really expect Crawford to do this the rest of the year. If Evan White comes back, do you expect Evan White to hit? I don't. If Kyle Lewis comes back, which, by the way, we're not sure, is Kyle Lewis going to be still affected by the knee injury that required surgery that has him out indefinitely? I don't know. When Jared Kelnick comes up, which could be as soon as Friday, is he going to be better than he was the first time around? I mean, I guess by default he has to be, but what if he's not? You're counting on those guys to carry forward what you have done thus far in the first half of the year. It's going to be hard to do that. It just is. It's an uphill battle. And the last thing, and this sort of has to do with some of these young bats, as far as my biggest concerns for the Seattle Mariners the second half of the year, that this team, which does seem to be playing well ahead of itself, comes back to earth. Just everywhere. Logan Gilbert, his ERA over the last three starts is .96. Yusei Kikuchi has been extremely consistent this year. Chris Flexen is somehow 8-3. Despite having played in Korea last year, you would think, okay, this guy's going to be an afterthought when he comes into the major leagues. A two-year contract for $4.5 million. He is 8-3, and three, and he is regularly throwing six, seven innings for this team. I mean, you got three really good starting pitchers. Are they all going to continue to be good the rest of the way? I wonder. Logan Gilbert, especially, mainly because he's young. But Gilbert does seem to have the most potential of all these guys. And, of course, he's 24 years old. I mean, why would you argue otherwise? So, that's one of my other concerns. Mitch Haniger is going to be traded. That's number one. That the young bats don't continue to do what they are doing. That's number two. Number three. That since they're overachieving, they're going to just fall back to earth. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me at Gallant says as well. It's 1010. This hour of the Paul Gallant Show is brought to you by Advanced Hair Restoration. It's time for What's Trending. Brought to you by King's Heating and Air with DJ Wilder. DJ, DJ, DJ. How's it going? I'm doing well. You know, we've been here for a while. Yes, we have. We have been. We, you know, we're... We're uh, we're really getting uh, used to each other again, so this is good. I know um, it's been nice to hang out. It's been a really long time. No, I never see you anymore. I'm always working like Manners broadcast now and everything. So, and I'm always here so early in the morning. <laughs> All right. Well, Pete Alonso defended his home run derby t- a title uh, by beating Trey Mancini in the final round uh, in last night's home run derby. Pete Alonso is somebody that. I did not know really anything about until I refreshed myself on the fact that he hit 53 home runs in 2019 and won the last home run derby. He had 35 home runs in one round. I got to say that the majesty of that round was diminished a little bit by the fact that I I couldn't appreciate every single home run, and I talked about that earlier. I I feel like the home run derby needs some retinkering and needs to go back to its roots where you get 10 outs and... Yeah, you're going to take a bunch of pitches that you don't like. Whatever the case, I, I want to see the full majesty of every single home run. I guess Trey Mancini, dude survived colon cancer, so that's a pretty cool story, too, that he was able to last as long as he did. I don't want to diminish the home run derby and my enjoyment of it and, 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 and speak that for everybody out there and say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have enjoyed it either. But I was a little annoyed that they took as long as they did to get to Shohei Otani. Shohei Otani and Juan Soto were, to me, the draws of this home run derby. I know for some people, specifically probably those in New York, are going to say that about Alonzo. 
I get that Trevor Story for the Colorado Rockies, woohoo, the hometown guy. But I just wish that it was a more star-studded event than it seems to have become. Fernando Tatis Jr., you should you should force him to do it. <laughs> right? And here's the thing. I mean, Fernando Tatis just got that ridiculous contract, so he doesn't need to. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., I'd like to force him to do it too. It would be cool if you were getting legitimately the young stars of baseball all together as opposed to just Shohei Otani. Because I think that if it were Shohei Otani and these other guys too, this is something that we would be talking about. We would be saying, look at all of these young stars across baseball. Baseball, though, of course, has no power to force players to do anything, and the Players Association would likely push back if they tried to do something like that. So something that's a pipe dream for me. A pipe dream, though, that I hope someday, someday will come true. Bring all of the stars back to home run derbies and slam dunk competitions. Thank you. All right, well, the U.S. basketball team continues to struggle as they lost to the to Australia in the fighting Matisse Thibels last night. The Matisse Thibels, I yes, like that. They are now 0-2. And just just exhibitions, these don't count. I know that, but they're 0-2 in exhibitions as they're trying to get tuned up for the Olympics in Tokyo in just a couple weeks. All right, I'm going to try to think of more Australian basketball players off the top of my head. Is Matthew Delavadova still on the team? Yes, and Ben Simmons could have played, but he is taking time to actually learn how to shoot. <laughs> He's working so, on his fundamentals. Yeah. The U.S. team could have really used him out there last night. Is Andrew Bogut Australian? Yeah, but I think he's retired from basketball now. Okay. Well, I will say this. I I was surprised to see who was on Team Brazil. Anderson Verjo is still playing for Team Brazil. One of my friends is actually, and they didn't make it. They didn't make it to the qualifiers. But one of my friends was uh, the strength and conditioning coach for uh, Tunisia. <laughs> so I was a big Tunisia fan going into it. They had a, they had a, a they got killed by um, Brazil, and they had a big comeback against Croatia, and they weren't quite able to close the deal. So um, anyway, yeah, the United States is losing to not just Nigeria but Australia. Not good. Plenty of time to turn things around. Blah 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 blah. We only talk about U.S. basketball when they lose. It's one of the unfortunate parts about having a sport where you just own it. And I think that'll be the other interesting part about the Summer Olympics. Are you going to watch baseball? Eh. I will watch soccer. I'm intrigued by the soccer side of it. But it's weird. There are two sports that you just expect the American team to win, and if they don't, you're like, oh, well, this is stupid. What a disgrace to our country. So um, maybe I'll just stick to swimming and gymnastics. Which also are, co- you know, we expect to win those too. Simone Biles, let's go. All right, that's what's trending, everybody. Brought to you by Kings Heating and Air. I'm Paul Gallant. It's the Paul Gallant Show. What concerns you most about the Mariners heading into the second half of the year? 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. Text line is how you do it. It's time for you guys to be heard. Your voice. voice. Your opinions. It's time to be heard. Every day at 1015 with Paul Gallant. Be heard. 710-710 on the Mac and Jacks Brewing Company. Text line. I love that people believe that Kevin Cash is mad about the Mariners sweeping the Rays and that he is withholding <laughs> Mariners from the roster as replacements for some of the guys who have opted out, like Carlos Correa, like uh, Yusei Kikuchi. Texted, theory is Kevin Cash being petty because the M swept his Rays. Another text, Kevin Cash is still bitter he got swept. I like this idea. I doubt that that is actually the case. I more so believe that Kevin Cash is just a bad decision maker, given that he took Blake Snell out of the World Series in the midst of him throwing an absolute dime of a game. And, and, and 
I also think it's because the guy is, you know, sticking up for his own players, which I understand. Maybe you need to do that. Maybe you want to give the guys on your team the best possible ability to get a roster bonus or something like that. But come on, man. Alternate the Mariner with the Mariner when there actually is an acceptable Mariner to put in his place. It would be one thing if, you know, we're talking about like Rafael Montero as the Mariner's best reliever, and that would be the only alternative. I would say no to that. But Kendall Graveman has had an all-star caliber season. So why why not him as opposed to Yusei Kikuchi or as opposed to – and look, nothing against him, but Andrew Kittridge is not a Mariner. Yes, he is from here. He is from the east side, Spokane. He is a UW player still. Come on. 206-421-3776. That is how you call in to the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Robert is in Kingsgate. Robert, what's going on? Hey, Paul. How are you? Always good to talk how to you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You seem you don't seem that happy to be on the show. Oh, I'm always happy to be on your show, Paul. Not a problem with there. Just a mellow day today. Okay, cool. I just wanted to slope slap some water on you real quick about um, <laughs> who is that do. guy, P.J. Crawford. J.P. Crawford. Um, oh, come on. You JP, can't, you yeah, can't do JP. that. That is a crime. You know what, Robert? I'm, I'm debating hanging up on you right now. That is a crime. You cannot. J.P. Right. Crawford. J.P. Crawford is a saint on this show in okay. particular, okay? He's a friend of the okay. program. Anyway, When you have Robert. one month of good hitting, <laughs> hey, you don't deserve to be on the all-star team, okay? But he hustles. But yeah, I, that's great. Elite defender. So Evan White. Evan White. Oh, uh, yeah, but yeah, but come on. Evan, Evan, Evan White can't hit. No, don't make comparisons to J.P. Crawford. Listen, I can understand the argument. Okay, it's only been okay, a month. But that's not what I, the reason why I called okay. for. I just wanted to throw some cold water on you on that. <laughs> you always do. Okay, well, the Mariners, and it's an interesting question because I've called before saying this year is a bonus. You know, like everything they're doing is a bonus. But if I'm a GM, I'm kind of confused. What do I do? This team is contending. So I would think what we should improve on and what I'm worried about is our hitting. I think you already said it last segment, you know, about the players that you're kind of worried about. And I agreed with that, unfortunately, <laughs> but I'm just like, wow, you know, Paul made sense. You know, <laughs> oh, come on. Guys, this is just a drive-by. Are these guys going to keep on hitting like they have in the first half? Well, I would say, why not get one veteran hitter to back up, you know, Mitch Hanniger. You know, why not? Just you, get a, the, another stellar hitter. The problem is, Robert, and appreciate the phone call, any veteran is going to cost prospects. And I think right now, you got to be honest with yourself. You're not quite a contender. You're so close. You're not quite. And I don't think it's worth it risking some of the potential with guys that are still rising the ranks to pull the trigger on a move that's going to get you a veteran. Unless the guy's awesome. I know that Danny O'Neill wants Herman Marquez, the pitcher for the Colorado Rockies, who has been awesome of late. I know that uh, some textures have suggested Trevor Story, who might be available from the Colorado Rockies. We saw him in the home run derby last night. The Rockies stink. I mean, they, yeah, split the series with the Mariners uh, a little less than a month ago. But, I mean, they, they've, they're they one of the worst road teams in baseball. Must be nice to play Coors Field, especially with some of those balls that carried last night in the home run derby. Didn't look like some of those were going to leave the park. Oh, wait, it's a high fly ball that looks like it's going to go 200 feet and it's out of the park? Oh, okay, interesting. Um, As far as the young hitters that you have that are already up on the roster, 
Ty France being able to keep this up. I would say it's more probable than not to quote the Ted Wells report, <laughs> but is it definitive for any of these guys to carry it forward? I do think what they're doing is sustainable, though. So it's a concern, but it's not a prediction. I want to make that clear. 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can tweet me as well. At Gallant says, Paul, someone asked about Trevor Story, the possibility of adding Trevor Story to the club. He could fill the void at second base. Shedlong's playing well right now. I, I don't necessarily know it's a void. It was before Shedlong came back. Shedlong has played well. Shedlong is giving you some surprising power in that spot too. It's not a void. You could probably do better, but it's not a void. I, I think the real question is, as far as the future of this team, what's going on at third base? Because this might be Kyle Seager's last year. Are you going to move Ty France there? It wasn't too long ago that we saw Ty France at third base trying to make a defensive play, and yikes, it wasn't very good. I mean, you could tell the obvious difference between Kyle Seager in the field and Ty France there. I'm of the belief, at least right now, I'd probably put Ty France at first base if I have a better first base option, and I don't think Evan White's a better first base option, then I would move Ty France to to designate a hitter or something like that. But... um. Third base is really the one position that I'm looking at, and I'm like, I don't, I don't know what the future of this team is at that spot. We'll find out at catcher, too. We'll find out if Cal Raleigh is the guy, obviously, over the next couple of weeks. I'll say this about Trevor's story as well. He's the type of player, and with the position that Kevin Mather left you in, with how you know he was talking about Tywin Walker coming in, coming here with hat in hand, right? Which he obviously didn't, so good for him. He is now an all-star with the mm-hmm. Mets. Gosh. I will just say Trevor's story is the type of player you don't sign to be like to, you don't sign him to be your second baseman. You sign him and you ask you you let him decide where he plays. You're not wrong, DJ. That's a good point. Uh shortstop is a very ego-driven position. And it's not to say that JP Crawford would necessarily say no to it. He seems like a rather agreeable chap, but at the same time, ego always plays into it. It was a big deal in New York. Derek Jeter and Alex Rodriguez. Who was better between those two? Obviously Alex Rodriguez. Don't even get me started on that. Alex Rodriguez, as far as overall skills, throwing ability, etc., I think that he was better in that shortstop spot. He was the better player. But Derek Jeter is the Yankees. So you can't move Derek Jeter out of that spot. And Derek Jeter, solid fielder. But as time wore on, you can see that it was diminishing. So... I would say that is something you have to definitely think about. And right now, I, th- I think that you pen J.P. Crawford in as part of your future. Who else is in that conversation? It should be Mitch Haniger. It should be Ty France. After that, not 100% sure. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Up next, the Graz is going to join me. If you've got a question for the Graz, text in 710-710 on the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. What does he think about what the Home Run Derby has become? And does he have any thoughts on the Mariners not getting a single All-Star because of Kevin Cash and his selfishness? All of that and more next. It's 1030, and that means it's time to get in the sports pit. In the pit where all that stuff goes down, and if you don't have some freaking toughness... You're going to get your, you're going to fail. With Paul and joining me now, thanks to our friends at the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company, is the one, the only, the great and powerful Gross. Gross, what's up, bud? Paul, how you doing today? How you holding up? I'm worked up. 
I am worked up about the All-Star game draws <laughs> because of the Gulf Coast bias. The Tampa Bay Rays just keep on adding Tampa Bay Rays to the All-Star game. Yusei Kikuchi, he opts out. And Kevin Cash, manager of the Rays, infamous for pulling Blake Snell from a game where he was pitching extremely well in the World Series, has decided to replace him with Tampa Bay reliever, also a UW guy and a Spokane uh, native, uh, Andrew Kittredge, as opposed to, I don't know, Kendall Graveman, or as opposed to, you know, putting in J.P. Crawford over someone named Joey Wendell. I'm upset. There are no Mariners going to be that are going to be playing tonight. I don't know whether to be proud of you or concerned about you, but you <laughs> called it the phrase Gulf Coast bias. <laughs> that's, wor- that's worrisome to say the very least. And it worked up a, worked up a righteous rage over the All-Star game. Yeah, it's... It's something else that they did not add. It's a unique spot, brother. It does. You know what, though? As someone who used to live in the Gulf Coast, uh, both in St. Petersburg and in Houston, uh, the Gulf Coast bias is real. Actually, it's just like everywhere else. Everyone thinks that there's an East Coast bias, and there probably is an East Coast bias. It's a shame that there's not going to be any Mariners. We are talking about the second half of the season, but before we get to that, Graz, what do you think about the All-Star game these days? I personally believe that the All-Star game, or excuse me, the Home Run Derby, uh, the Home Run Derby the way that it used to be, is a lot better than it is now. I was finding myself feeling very old trying to keep up with the many, many pitches and the many, many balls that were flying out of the yard last night. <laughs> um, I don't. I, I kind of like. I kind of like it to tell you the truth. I mean, really? I, I like. The, I like the old way also. Let, let me just. Let me just go for, put this on the record. I like the home run derby. I think it's the best of the things that, that, that they do at All-Star Games. Yes, I think it's better than the slam dunk contest, mm. which I think has gotten, gotten a little ridiculous these days. And, and I, just, I, just, I like how they do it. I like the head-on-head competition. Um, it, it was, uh, it's dramatic. Uh, it was, the, the field wasn't the greatest last night, and that's mainly because the, the main guy didn't do as well as everyone I think wanted him to do. And I wonder how many people were poised to change the channel when Otani got knocked out. Because he clearly is generating a lot of the excitement for it. But, I mean, I like how they did it. You know, to tell you the truth, I kind of like the fact that, that Pete Alonso is so cocky about it <laughs> and, and feels so good about how he does. I mean, you, you've got like, he's like a wrestler. I mean, you've got, you've got, a, you've got someone to knock off their, their throne now if they take that seriously. So, I, I, I kind of liked it. He hit something like, what, 70 home runs or so last night? And I, I now have a greater, yeah. I have a greater appreciation for how physically draining that is because Shohei Otani seemed exhausted by the entirety of the ordeal while Pete Alonso, as you said, yeah, he did seem exceptionally cocky throughout and extremely energetic. And to be able to bomb 70 or so out of the ballpark, that is a pretty tremendous physical feat. Well, and take it a step further, man. You're at 5,200 feet. I mean, you're a mile oh, yeah. high up there. So anyone, anyone who's been to Denver knows you can lose your breath just walking up a flight of stairs. So, yeah, it made Alonzo's performance even more impressive. Maybe. He, he was, and he was just hitting rockets. Yeah. He must have snuck, in, snuck off for some altitude training or something like that. Uh, but whatever the case, yeah, he or was something not. something like that. Yeah, he wasn't gassed at all. It's, it's something else. Um, so that's the home run derby. I, I, I am with you in that. I wish that there were some bigger names in it, but it's going to be hard, I think, with just the way that the Players Association has so much power to force a guy like Fernando Tatis or Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to be in it against Shohei Otani. Well, the other thing, Paul, is, is you, know, you, just, you, you said it just a minute ago. If you're going to have to hit 70 home runs to win it, <laughs> You're not going to get guys going to want to do it because that is too much effort. Uh, so I mean, you, you, maybe maybe it makes some sense to to strip it down some if you want to get the, the big time guys in there because of the fact they don't want to swing that much. Yeah, the old school way would definitely help from that perspective. 
I personally would just like to see a bunch of the young names that are in it and just highlight the best young players in your sport. And that's nothing against Pete Alonso. Pete Alonso is just like essentially the uh, the ringer here. <laughs> where he's just showing up and he's going to kill everybody. I, <laughs> I felt a little bad for Griffey last night. Oh, yeah. People were roasting him for his camera. Old school. Yeah, I, I thought that – I just I, – I, I didn't think the camera was bad, but I, I think – I really got the sense that he 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 wanted to be the kid again mm. and realized quite obviously that he was not you know that he's old enough to be all those guys fathers and yeah. and uh you know I think I I I I got a sense of wistfulness that to remembering cuz the last time he was in Colorado maybe I mean the last time he had the Oakland Derby there he was the one who was in it right. and he won it right and, and he I wasn't going to do it that, that he that he right right so I I I just had the sense that he was looking around thinking man those were the good old days, like we all do eventually when we get to that point, when we see guys younger than us doing things that we used to love to do. He's so loved, even oh. though he, of course, you know, got his way out of town and went to Cincinnati. He seemed to have some regrets about yeah. it after, after the fact. What was your reaction when that happened? Well, I, it was very different than, than the reaction for everyone else because, you know, he made it a point that he wanted to go home. You know, Cincinnati was home. And he took less money, so it was. It, it was you know, the Mariners made him a bigger offer th- than the one he accepted, and and I think people really understood it. I think Randy Johnson, you know, uh, did not go as smoothly, um, and Alex Rodriguez. We all know how that went uh-huh. because uh, you know, even though it was a little ridiculous to be upset with a guy for taking ninety million more, um, people were. But but in the case of Griffey, you know, you want to go back to Cincinnati. Uh, you know, that, that wasn't exactly a glorious spot. It wasn't like going to New York. So you know, when you have you know, when you have a town that is collectively, you know, got you know, <laughs> it feels a little put upon that their stars are leaving. If a guy wants to go to Cincinnati, he must really want to go to his hometown. Yeah, I mean that's okay. Yeah. So it it didn't. It just wasn't as bad as the other guys. All Cincinnati has is Skyline Chili. Their airport is actually located in Kentucky, for those who don't know. Fun facts, everybody. All right, we have a nice. question for you, Cross. Nice 710. <laughs> it's not a bad oh. airport, but it's kind of difficult to navigate around. If you are in one terminal, you have to take a bus, essentially, across. Uh, anyway. Yeah, no one... on, on, the, on the tarmac, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, you're, oh, wow, there's a plane that's flying by. No, no big deal. Uh, question for the Gras, 710, 710. The question of the day for the Gras. Are you in or out on the Mariners making a playoff push? And if you're in, do you think that they should be extra aggressive, go after anyone in particular at the trade deadline? Pitching is what I think they should do, is who they think they should go after. And like I've said to you, I mean, the next couple of this is not a cop out, but between now and the 28th is going to tell the story. 15 days in particular, the last seven days against the A's and the Astros. You know, they, they play them seven times. If they on July the 28th are still the closest team to the wild card, don't have anyone to jump over, are still within two or three games of it, yes, I think they should be active. And I think they should be active getting pitching. I mean, I, 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 we know Kelnick's going to come back and the likelihood is I think he's going to hit so you're getting guys back there you need more pitching and you don't have to give up a whole lot when you're making deadline deals at that point you know you're not going to give up the farm for someone so um, I think the next 15 days tell the tale if they're in the same position they are now yeah I think they go after some pitching always a pleasure talking to the one and only Graz thanks to our friends at the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company Graz thanks buddy Okay, Paul, talk to you Thursday. Get some sleep. I I will try. I will try my best. I'm Paul Gallant. This is the Paul Gallant Show, the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle. Question of the day. What's your biggest concern for the Mariners the second half of the year?
other than, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays basically being a tyrannical team that is keeping Seattle Mariners, your beloved Seattle Mariners, out of the All-Star game, out of jealousy, spite for getting swept in four games. Am I projecting? Yes. (laughs) So what are your concerns with the second half of the season? Project your concerns. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to Paul Gallant. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Every day at 10 on 710 ESPN Seattle. I'm shook. Shaking with rage over Kevin Cash and the atrocities that he has committed upon the city of Seattle. I've kept that energy going for four hours. There should be a Mariner in tonight's game. Yusei Kikuchi will be announced. He is not playing, though. Sad. Sad! Exclamation point. So... The question of today's show on the most interactive sports talk show in Seattle, what's your biggest concern for the second half of the Mariners' season? For me, number one, trading Mitch Hanniger. Don't. Please don't. Number two, it's that the young bats that we have seen play well thus far or the young bats that you're expecting to get better don't continue to play well, don't get better. And number three is just the, I guess, full team effect of what I just said about the batters, that all of a sudden all these guys who seem to be playing a lot better than they maybe actually are. Kendall Graveman, Paul Sewald, Chris Flexen, Jake Fraley. I guess you could make the case for Luis Torrens that all of a sudden they just stop playing the way that they've been playing. And J.B. Crawford maybe, too, you throw in there because of just how hot J.B. Crawford has been of late. So those are my biggest concerns, but what are yours? 710-710 is the Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. You can also tweet me at Galan says on the text line from the 425. The biggest concern for the second half is that they will turn into the Mariners that have been in town for the past 44 years. Well, that's just dark, sad, depressing. They got to be different than the majority of those teams over the 44-year history of the team. I mean, I read Art Teal's book, Out of Left Field, and my God, the... Pre-Ken Griffey Jr. Mariners, I don't think you should be making any comparisons to them with this team specifically. Because this team, at the very least, is defensively competent and solid with its pitching overall. With some, I think, really good pitchers at the top. you got five guys that I feel like you can rely on right now. Kikuchi, Logan Gilbert, Chris Flexen, Kendall Graveman, and for now, Paul Sewald. And maybe I throw Drew Steckenrider into the mix there, too. So you got all those pitchers. you got a really good defense. And you just have an offense that can't really score a whole lot. 710 Mac and Jack's text line. Second half, Mariners concern injuries. I don't know how they can get more injured than they have been already this year. Maybe I should knock on wood because that might be just asking for those who believe in jinxes. A jinx god to come upon the Mariners and put a pox upon them. And no Jobu or a hat for bat is going to do anything to save that perhaps clubhouse should I put that jinx hex on them. 710, 710. The thing that worries me is the lack of veteran leadership. That one's interesting. I feel like they have it, don't they? Maybe it's not coming from Kyle Seeger in the way that you would want to because also you're, you're, you're wondering if this is his last year here. But I think that over the course of this year, there has been at least some sort of power structure that has been created. And I think that, you, that not you Gucci, I think that J.P. Crawford, who should be an all-star, is at the center of that. He's in this spot where he's playing well, he's young, the players that are going to come up on this team are going to see his example and follow by it. Whether it's leading by example or leading by what he says in the clubhouse, that's a guy that I look at right now as being a good veteran leader for you. 
going forward. I can understand how maybe you want more than what you have right now. And especially with the uncertainty over Mitch Haniger and Kyle Seeger, maybe it makes it a little bit difficult for you to really predict who's going to be that guy for the next three, four years for you. Marco Gonzalez struggling this season, so he hasn't been that guy, though he has been in years past. 710-710, Mac and Jack's Brewing Company text line. The biggest concern for the second half is that they do well enough to be a bottom-end contender and trade away some key players or prospects. I think they learned the hard way in 2018 that there is no point in being almost. There is no point. And that's what they were. I remembered watching from afar, looking at the Mariners, and thinking to myself, well, they're not on Houston, New York, Boston's level. So what's the point? which is a perhaps defeatist kind of attitude to have. But, I mean, look at what the Twins were over that same stretch. Woohoo! We made the playoffs! Oh, whoops. I mean, that's been essentially the last 20 years of Twins baseball. They have been good enough to make it when they've been good enough. And what have they done in the first round of the playoffs? Usually they play the Yankees, and the Yankees kill them. The A's, you can make the same case. You got to... If you're going to go all in, you gotta you got to really know that you're there. And you already have to be almost on the same page as those teams before you make that finishing push. Text in, and if they make a move for the playoffs now, they, they jeopardize their future. Biggest concern the rest of the way. You can keep those coming at 710-710. This is a bold text. The Seattle Mariners of Soto. They love those Soto sayings, don't they? <laughs> Soto magic. I think they've had like four or five different sayings in team history. Slogans. Well, Soto Mojo is the number one. Like that's that's the main one for sure. That was the original one, right? Yes. And they've had a bunch of different ones where it's Soto, and they've changed it around a little bit. Hasn't worked out quite so well. They're going to win seventy eight percent of the remaining games. Writes this texter. Holy guacamole, sir! That is, I think, asking too much. But I respect your commitment and fervor and cultish belief. Good for you. Uh, text in, Mariners are Van Damme and Kickboxer. <laughs> we want Tung Po, but we don't really want him quite yet. Wow, that's a fantastic reference. Good job by you. I've actually watched that movie, and I understand it. Tung Po is the big baddie at the very end of that. He also, if I'm not mistaken, is the big baddie in the movie Enter the Dragon, which is a Bruce Lee movie way back in the day. The more you know, Paul knows Kung Fu. Tweet, Akalon says... Morgan tweets, my concern is 20 years of meltdown and utter catastrophe. Oh, my God. <laughs> you guys are so defeatist. I get it, though. Uh, Jim Parsons, outsized expectations among fans. These guys still have a lot to learn and master before they can tackle the intensity of a playoff run and beyond. Let's hope they finish the year knowing what to do next and how to do it. I agree with that one. Run differential tweets, scap, scrap, iron. Tay says, meanwhile, starting pitching durability. And production out of the second base spot. I, I mean, you're getting it right now. You're getting production out of Shedlong. And I think that is honestly surprising. I didn't know that we were going to get anything out of Shedlong this year, given the just unfortunate battle that he's had with that shin injury for the last two seasons. A text, uh, or excuse me, tweet from Santiago. Another losing streak of six or more games. Most people are saying starting pitching depth. You have three good arms. It is a shame. DJ, I'm glad you brought up Taiwan Walker earlier today and how you know Kevin Mather was like, oh, look at me. I didn't spend money on him. He's going to come crawling back hat in hand, and now he's an all-star with the New York Mets. Think about where this team could be, first off, if James Paxton was healthy, and second off, if they had Taiwan Walker. Now, maybe that gets in the way of Justin Dunn development, but um, I think you would have a pretty natural conclusion to 
some of your issues in the rotation. Justice Sheffield not pitching well. Marco Gonzalez not pitching well. Put those guys on the extended injured list for a little bit until they can figure stuff out. Right now, you're in a spot where, of all those three, Justin Dunn's been the best this season. And what a surprise that is, given where Dunn was last year and given where Gonzalez and Sheffield were last year, too. And he's unfortunately hurt right now. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, DJ Wilder behind the glass. It has been a lot of fun over the last four hours. Hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure you subscribe to the Danny and Gallant podcast, the Paul Gallant Show podcast. Rate it, review it, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Big thanks to the Gras for stopping by in the sports pit. And, of course, big thanks to DJ Wilder, who makes this thing happen. I am merely Paul Gallant. So long, farewell. Jake and Stacy with an American ninja. No, no American Ninja. No American Ninja today is next.